Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Helping you unwind after a long day of work. Why are you rolling your eyes at me? I'm not rolling my, your, my eyes at you. The nightcap. Makes me regret that the Flyers are so garbage early in the season. Oh, right. Anybody could be making right. noise right Right, yes, let's let's lament about the Flyers when let's the Sabres were actually in a playoff spot for the entire year. On WGR. Kyle, what is wrong with you? I can't do this. Sports Radio 550. You know when you hear that intro, which is not very common, that means that the nightcap has been taken over. There is no Joe DiBiase. You just heard him for four hours. Yeah, don't get selfish here. Yeah, don't get selfish here. It's two nights worth of nightcap there for Joe. and uh, But no, tonight we have a bridge nightcap. It's an hour before we head over to the MLB Home Run Derby where you can watch players rip all of the dingers. Or actually, you will uh, hear them do that if you're listening on WGR. That starts at 8 o'clock, so for an hour, you've got me, you've got Kyle Powell. And, you know, the thing is, is that uh, there's really, it's kind of a tough time sometimes when that second wave of NHL free agency doesn't really hit. Luckily, the Sabres did something, but it's it's a bit of a tougher time these days because now there's not even baseball games. There's just the home run derby and all-star game. It's a, it's a tough week. It's a tough week for Kyle Powell to have to be on the nightcap twice this week, isn't it? You picked a dandy. I did pick a dandy, but I think the bright spot of Monday or Wednesday, excuse me, it's Monday right now, is I'll have you guys. Yes, Spoiler, you will. if you didn't hear already, we talked about it on the podcast. Spoiler alert, we're going to do a little post-game type kind of nightcap, talk to you guys after your shift, and I will have the Home Run Derby and the All-Star Game to recap, which I plan on doing a little bit, because um, though it doesn't count for anything anymore in the World Series, it still is very exciting. Last year, we saw 10 home runs in the nation's capital in an extra inning game. A lot to live up for this year. Yeah, and... I mean, it's always fun to watch a home run derby. A casual baseball fan just loves seeing those kind of home run things going on, and that's why the that's why these past couple of seasons in baseball have been kind of interesting in, in that regard because there's always a lot of this long ball action going on. Baseball purists seem to hate it. I'm okay with it because I'm one of those filthy casuals, and uh, when I see teams rake, I'm for it. Go Twins. You're not a noted baseball purist? Uh, no, I'm not. And uh, and honestly, those people that say that they need to do something about it, you know what? No, things change, and you adapt to it. That's literally how every sport works. So deal with it. It's, it's one of those things. It's just like, come on, deal with it. Things change. The NBA has turned into a star-driven league. The NFL... There's more rules against pass interference, and yet now there's still another thing about things being reviewed for pass interference. It's such a pass-happy game nowadays. Hockey, they got rid of that two-line pass thing from the 90s. And just and then post-lockout, everything looks so much faster and different, and then they found a way to slow it down, and now overtime's got three-on-three overtime. Like Games literally find ways to adapt. Deal with it, baseball. It's okay. 
But I'm not here to talk about baseball because I'm not. I admit, I admitted it. I'm a filthy casual. Something that happens, but it's something where I just I don't know. I I guess I had to say it. It just came out at like that. It's just how it rolls, and that's just how things go here on the nightcap sometimes, or on any show here on WGR. Kyle mentioned it though. Uh, the 11 day power play. We are in action as Team WGR on Wednesday. From 3 to 6 p.m. at Harbor Center. We'd love your support. We'd love to be able to uh, hear from you guys. Uh, you know, stop down. Show us your love or show us your hate. I don't care which. I, I thrive on your jeers and boos. But we did talk to uh, Mike Lisikowski from the 11 Day Power Play on the Leftovers podcast earlier today. You can find that on our, on our website at WGR550.com or on the Radio.com app. Give that a listen. It's a very insightful interview. We liked it. And, you know, it's always good to hear from Mike Lesikowski, whether he's on morning show, afternoon, anytime he makes an appearance. It's always good to hear that story about the 11-day power play, its growth, and its evolution so far. The Sabres, meanwhile, they signed Marcus Johansson over the weekend, and it got me thinking a little bit about what this team is doing so far this offseason. It's got me thinking about the fact that we're not done yet, but we can't anticipate when that next move will be and what that next move is. And what are your thoughts on that? If you have a thought on the Sabres, 803-0550, Training camp's also coming up for the Bills. If you want to talk about that, well, I'm all yours. Give us a call. Let us know what's going on. But right now, I'll stick with the Sabres on this one. It just, for me, it looks like I'm content with the direction that they're going in so far this offseason. There was no big splash contract in free agency, and honestly, more power to them for not throwing themselves into the true silly season on July 1st. Because those deals really, on July 1st, have really come back to backfire on some teams, the Sabres included, with Kyle Oposo's contract. And I think it was at the end of the 5 o'clock hour, Nate and Joe and I all weighed in on this sort of thing where it was Kyle Poso, Louis Erickson, Franz Nielsen, David Backus, Andrew Ladd, Louis Erickson, all these contracts that are just looking dreadful just from 2016. Three years later, all these contracts look awful, immovable, and we're really not banking on any of them finishing their contract with the team that signed them. But at the same time, you could see it happening because some of those contracts are so bad and so unmovable. That's what happens. Free agency, the silly season, don't engage in that. This is where I like where that Marcus Johansson signing comes from. It's a nice signing. It is a second wave signing. It's one of those deals that it's not very high risk, but at the same time, you can get a good reward out of it. And that's exactly what you need your general manager to be doing is finding that second wave of free agents that you know that aren't going to cripple your franchise if it's a bad contract and if it's a dud of a signing, but it can give you some good scoring depth throughout the team. And if it hits, it hits. Trading for Jimmy VC, this team now is overloaded, it seems, on left wingers and defensemen, particularly on the left side defenseman no the right side I'm silly don't mind me so that tells me with the surplus that they have at two positions they're not done yet 
the main question then becomes, okay, what happens now and when does it happen? No idea. That's where the problem lies. But I just remember a lazy day last year in August where Joe is trying to think of some ridiculous, goofy topic, and the next thing you know, Jeff Skinner has traded the Buffalo Sabres. Okay, what happened? What did we give up for? A couple of mid-round picks and Cliff Pooh. Are you kidding? What? Are you kidding me? So I don't know what the next move is. But what I do know is that I've just got this feeling in my gut. Maybe I'm hungry, or maybe I just think that the Sabres are not done yet and that there's going to be one more major move before training camp comes around for the Sabres. I just, I can't really pinpoint what it is. I just know that it's, I've got this feeling that it's not over yet. It could be a Rasmus Ristolainen trade. What does he land you? I do not know. Is it for a second-line center? Honestly, the second-line center thing? I'd rather it be a short-term answer. Because if your drafting is worth a damn, Casey Middlestat will be ready in a couple of years. Yeah, you and I got into this discussion briefly earlier this afternoon. Marcus Johansson definitely levies the necessity for these next two years or so between development of Casey Middlestat and his production on the ice as Johansson uh, living up to the contract. It doesn't press the issue of offense from your scoring group up front as much as it would have three days ago. And the hot topic was, can Rasmus Rissett lining get you a second-tier, second-line center that is proven in this league? What would it cost? Would there be things on the side with Rissett lining? Could you get something extra back? Your idea on the leftovers was interesting, talking about a little bit about futures. It wouldn't be sexy, but to get ahead of the game, sure, there's an idea to package with line and around with, or you go another route. But that is definitely still a topic of discussion, and I wouldn't be surprised with this move we're anticipating now before training camp starts that he would be involved because that's your next big pawn. Now, here's the thing. You need to be able to hook a, a little bit of a, a silly general manager on this one because if any GM looks at the analytics or they just use their damn eyeballs – they can see that Rasmus Ristolainen has not been able to develop into a top-pairing defenseman. So I'm not going to be mad if they don't happen to trade him because maybe it's hard to shuffle a guy who has struggled and has a $5.4 million cap hit. Maybe it's hard to try to trade that kind of guy. We've heard reports throughout this uh, free agency period and around the draft that the Sabres were talking to teams about Rasmus Ristolainen. Why hasn't he been moved yet? Well, there might be a reason for that. Maybe teams are getting a little sensible on this sort of thing. But then you see all the mega millions of dollars handed out to these players in free agency, and then you see how Kevin LeBanc only gets $1 million for one year. That is astounding. It's astounding that Zemgis Giergensen is going to be making at least a half a million dollars more than him for this season. That's not even astounding. That's stupid. It's literally stupid. Good for Gergensen's to get that qualifying offer. Good for him to being able to sign it, but you are not Kevin LeBanc. You are not near in his stratosphere and point totals, and yet he is making $600,000 less than you for the season. 
So NHL GMs still sometimes confuse me, but good for the Sharks for keeping LeBanc on a one-year, $1 million deal. There's really still a lot that has to be done in this NHL offseason, I think. And I think that part of the reason Ristolainen hasn't been traded yet, not just because of the fact that his value is a little diminished, it's also got to do with the fact that I think that it, teams are still talking with Jake Gardner. And I think Ristolainen is just a lesser version than Jake Gardner. And once Gardner finds out what team he's going to, then teams that missed out on him are going to be talking with Rasmus Ristolainen. I don't know what it means. I just know that they're not done yet. It's going to be interesting still. But the thing is, is that whenever they make this next move, we are all going to be caught off guard because it's not going to be a time that we expect it. We expect it to get done now because we're impatient. This team has not made the playoffs in eight years. They're the longest playoff drought in the NHL. We need this now. No, that's not how things work sometimes. Sometimes it just takes a random day in the middle of the summer where you think that all the GMs are just going golfing and out to the beach and whatever like that, that sometimes that's when that deal gets made. And that's what I think happens here. I think that the Sabres figure it out. I just don't know when. And we have no idea what it's going to be. That sounds vague as all hell, but that's because it's supposed to be. Because what am I going to do? Predict a future on this? Nobody's that good. It's difficult to right now, especially looking at some of the rumor sites here. There's nothing. I'm crickets on Jake Gardner right now. Crickets so on Jake Gardner. You're waiting for that domino to fall. Yeah, it's going to be talks a bit. of he wants to return to Toronto. He'd take a discount. They're worried about the Cody Cece contract they just signed. Oh my god. Uh, yeah, that's a whole other story. That's a whole other story. If you got any thoughts on eight oh three oh five fifty one eight 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 five fifty two five fifty, but I'm. Overall, based on what's gone on so far this offseason, I'm okay with what's happened. I like what Botchel's done. I like where he's kind of trying to go th- for things right now. Everyone's like, why are Gergensons and Larson being tendered still? Why is Sapoka not being bought out? Well, you know what? They might be just doing the next best thing, which is pushing them down the lineup. When you acquire the likes of a Jimmy VC and a Marcus Johansson, it causes a bit of a ripple effect. If Tage Thompson or Alex Nylander go ahead and actually make this team out of camp, Thompson did last year, then you actually can see players getting pushed down from the bottom. That causes players like Evan Rodriguez to not have to play top six minutes. And then that causes a bump down where, next thing you know, Jimmy Vesey's on the third line or Connor Sherry's on the third line, and that causes more players to bump down. And that means eventually you get to Vladimir Saboka sitting in the press box, Zemgis Gergensen is in Rochester, and Johan Larson's now nowhere to be seen. They did the next best thing. They're not hedging their bets on Zemgis Gergensen's actually being a player on this team this year. No, they're just filling out the roster. And if he's here, then he's here. But he's got to earn it now. Because there's players like C.J. Smith or an R2 Rootsalainen who can push these jobs and try to push the bottom six and rearrange it. Forget about the top of the roster. The bottom six has been their problem from last year. They got no scoring from it. It was just the worst of things. And outside of the declining goaltending, was easily their worst problem all season. Now they're doing something about it. They are addressing what is their biggest weakness, the depth of the team. 
They will continue to do so. I just don't know when the next domino falls. But they have a surplus in defense. They have a surplus at left wing, which means that some player gets bumped down somewhere. Or they change positions, like Joe had mentioned earlier today. My bet's on Connor Sherry. He switches to the right wing. Marcus Johansson can do that. He plays. He's played on all the positions of a forward line. Jimmy Vesey can play both left and right from what I've seen. Who knows what happens there? But they're addressing the middle six and the bottom six of this group. Desperately needed attention. If you split up Eichel and Reinhardt, your top two lines have a guy who can drive pace of play. If Johansson ends up on the second line, that's a guy who can get you in the zone with zone entries that you know he fares fairly well in the statistics on that. And the analytics show that He's good at getting into the zone. I think that's going to be the most impressive and most important part of this contract signing. And I think if he's right, Johansson, that'll be the biggest difference you see on the ice. Yes. And Johansson was one of those factors with the Washington Capitals for several years. Because it goes so unnoticed. He does go so unnoticed because you have TJ Oshie and Nicholas Backstrom and, oh, that Alex Ovechkin guy, Evgeny Kuznetsov blows up. Andre Burakovsky was kind of becoming a little bit of a thing. He was an intriguing piece he for was. so long. For, for so long. I think Colorado got a good steal there. They did, but what was Burakovsky, what were they hoping he was going to be? They were hoping he was going to be Marcus Johansson, a guy that you could plug into the top six as a guy who can fill in on minutes for the first line or fill in on minutes for that second line or drive a third line. I'm still really stoked about that signing. Probably more so than I should be or more so than the hype needs to be. But this was a fantastic deal, and it's something. this is exactly the piece that the Sabres needed. Someone who could play on different lines, have different roles on different lines, and be able to do it all well, capably. Interesting text that I got here now. You can text us, by the way, at 550-550. Would you sign Jake Gardner if they traded Risto? My answer is yes especially since it looks like he's not going to drive a high price point anymore. Yes, absolutely. If that means like a two- or three-year deal for Jake Gardner because he's coming off an injury and he's never really been the most consistent of players, some jokes that uh, Gardner's the MVP for the Boston Bruins in their playoff series losses to Boston. But yes, I would, I would absolutely sign Jake Gardner. So you're for it. I read that text and I was a little bit hesitant. I'm for it. I think that's a place of surplus. Yes, but at the same time, Risto's Gardner, Gardner's Risto. If Risto gets you another forward and you could still sign Jake Gardner, that means you get both of these things? Yeah, but looking at the big board, man, I think with the amount of left and right-handed shots, with Lawrence Pilot not being ready at the start of the season, you could use a righty on the left side as a stopgap until Pilot's healthy. I just don't know, man. Because then you'd be talking, I understand Risto's Gardner, Gardner is Risto. One way or another, you're playing. You're paying a guy way too much money to potentially be a third liner. One's on, or it, third pair. It might be the fact of term would be my most important issue. Yeah, completely, completely dictated by the market. But at There's the same no market, time, it's crickets, I said. So, yeah, yeah sure, Th- throw a bone. See what, see what the starting price is. If, but, it, if it means I got something for Risto Linen, I'm kicking tires. Why not? What's the worst that can happen? You get another defenseman ready for training camp. You have too many, and you try to trade someone anyway. Cool. I'm for that. Let's do it. Let's have fun. Make this team better, damn it. Hashtag silly season. 
do something, Jason. He's do- he's done things. That's the other thing. It's like it's Jason Botchel doesn't do anything. No, he does things. Jason Botchel's scared to trade because he lost the Ryan O'Reilly trade. No, that's false. Not even close. Because everyone forgets, oh, hey, it was a pretty nice deal for uh, Brandon Montour. He absolutely fleeces Carolina to get a 40-goal scorer in Jeff Skinner. Connor Sherry's a nice addition. What did they pay for him? Beans. And yeah, Sherry didn't really step up to be what everyone hoped he could be. He didn't meet the stipulations to make the Sabres have to pay a third-round pick, for example. But I think it's it's not going to be a big deal. And if Rasmus Ristolainen does not get traded, it is not because Jason Bottrell was scared. It's because Jason Bottrell doesn't think that he got a good enough return on what he thinks is the perceived value of his defenseman. If that means that he plays third-pairing defensive minutes this year, yo, I'm cool. Because then, hey, maybe he looks better. Maybe his advanced statistics look better now because of the fact that he doesn't have to do as much. for at, And they actually back that up. Because... Every time a new coach has come in, it's been, we got to play Rasmus Ristolainen a little bit less. Give him a little, best, little bit less of a workload. Literally every time, he goes ahead and gets 25 minutes a game at minimum. And it seemed like Phil Housley was almost using him more than he, he's like, oh, we got to cut it back less. And it seemed like he was giving him more minutes than the year previous. If it means actually making him a third-pairing defenseman, I'm okay with keeping him. I think he could use a fresh start. Sabres fans sure as hell want a fresh start from him. But sometimes you just don't get what you want. And I'd rather have Rasmus Ristolainen on this roster than trade him for beans. Addition by subtraction, we'll just subtract his minutes. I'm pretty sure you'll find a way to make that happen. You've got the group to do it now. Montour and Miller are fantastic defenders. One of them will pair with Rasmus Dahlin, which will make that player even better. And the other should be just fine on a second pairing with like a Jake McCabe or a Lawrence Pilot when he's healthy. It'll be interesting to see. 8030551888552550. We'll slip in a call real quick. Jonathan and Alden, you're on the nightcap. What's up, man? Hey, Kyle. Thanks for the show. Um, I want to say, um, overall, I like the moves that are made. I, th- I think the next move should be Trey Ristolainen, but unless we can't find the right deal. But overall, I think I, I really like this roster. There's one thing I want, do want to see improved is goaltending, because I saw how Bennington turned the Blues from the last place team to the champions. I mean, I'm not expecting that, but I do think goaltending can mask a lot of problems with this team. And I guess, I guess we could hope that Hutton or Allmark can step it up, but I do want to see the Sabres to try to address goaltending. Goal I mean, and try to try to get the goaltending better and to see if. Oh, Jonathan, would we do, do, do we? I think we lost you there, buddy. Uh, but thanks for the call anyway. And like I said, trading Rasmus Ristolainen, thats that pit in my stomach that I'm feeling. I don't know if it's actually going to happen or not, but I'd rather it be. I'd rather Botchel not sell him off just to sell him off, and I would rather make sure you get the right deal for him. So sometimes that takes patience. That's why he's still here. Who the hell knows? But what I do know is that Marcus Johansson had his conference call today, and we will play that back for you on the other side of this break here on the Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, we're coming at you here. 
in place of Joe. We're here for an hour. The Home Run Derby starting at 8 o'clock right here on WGR. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to the Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell. Let's not putz around here. Marcus Johansson conference call was earlier today. We've got that. Replaying it right here on WGR. What made Buffalo an attractive landing spot for you? Uh, I think just uh, talking to Ralph and, and, and Jason, uh, I like what uh, Buffalo's got going. I think talking to Ralph, he has some really good ideas on how to play, and it's a really young and exciting team. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. And uh, once I come down to it, I was really happy that you know I ended up going to Buffalo. Marcus Lance, Southie from the Buffalo News. Just based on your early conversations with Ralph and Jason. The- does it sound like you're going to stick it at left wing? Can you help at center? I guess what what was sort of the role that they told you uh, about? Uh, we didn't really discuss that too much. I think wherever I can help and, and play, I, I'm there for it and, and wherever you need me to do. So uh, I've played both. I've played mostly left wing over the last however many years, but uh, whatever they need me to do, I'm up for it. I think that's, you know, that's why everyone comes to place. You want to help the team win and, uh, that's my main focus, and, and if it's at center, it is, and if it's at left wing, and I'm, I'm happy to do both. Hey, Marcus, uh, Joe Yerden from The Athletic. I was uh, curious about what uh, what about in Boston that uh, that helped you kind of get, re- get re-sparked after leaving New Jersey? Uh, I think, first of all, it was just, it was a really good group of guys. Uh, it made me feel comfortable right away, and uh, felt like I was part of the group, and then I think we played hockey that that kind of fit me, and uh, was able to play my game uh, from the start, and made me comfortable playing my game. And uh, I think that's that's the main reason, you know. And having guys in the locker room, just you know, being positive and, and pushing each other, I think that was a big part of it. Marcus, Mike Taco from the Hockey Buzz. Uh, how much difference was there between Washington and Boston in terms of style of play? And uh, did you discuss styles of play that would be similar to uh, with the Sabres? Uh, I don't think styles of play are that different, actually, uh, from Washington and, and 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 Boston. But I think it just fit me. I think it, you know it was defense we played and then trying to just get the puck back as quick as possible and play offense and then then being able to do what you're good at and and use your offensive skills a lot. And I think that, you know, made guys very uh, comfortable offensively in in both those teams. And uh, I don't think Ralph is is, uh, very different than that either. And and I think, you know, the the skill that that Buffalo have with with Jack Eichel and and Skinner and then, even on defense with Rasmus Dahlin and all those guys, I think it's that's uh, 
that's going to help them too. Hey, Mark. Mark is Nick store in Buffalo. You know, Ralph, since he's been hired, has talked a lot about culture and getting guys with a winning pedigree who have some postseason experience. From a leadership standpoint, what can you bring to this locker room and on the ice that can maybe help turn the corner for this young team? I mean, I think just like I said, when I got to, to Boston, you got to make sure everyone's comfortable. You got to be open. Thanks. It's got to be a positive vibe. You got to, you know, want to move forward together. And, now it's a game of mistakes, and you've got to be able to make mistakes and move forward and, and, and not dwell too much on things that go wrong. And, and uh, it's such a long season, and I think if you you know you get everyone on the same page and you work together, and, and like I said, if there is mistakes, you work them out together and you learn from it and, and move on. And I think especially with a young group like this, that's, that's, uh, that's very important. Hey, Marcus, uh, Adam, you mentioned uh, – center a little earlier but what exactly is your history playing it i i guess you played it in 15 16 for a chunk of the season like did you grow up playing it have you what other times have you played it i guess uh i played center when i when i came from sweden and then i think my first year or two in washington i was center and then like you said a few years ago we had some injuries in washington and i played center uh but mostly it's been left wing pretty much since i came came over here but I uh, kind of started my career playing center and have jumped in a few times after that. Hey, Marcus. Hey, Marcus uh, uh, Adam sure. Benini with WGRC TV in uh, Buffalo. And you have, you've kind of touched on this, I think, to an extent, but uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the background with, with Buffalo, where they have been uh, in a long playoff drought. Um what convinces you that, that now is the time that this team is ready to turn a corner, I suppose, in making your decision? You, you kind of, it kind of suggests that. I mean, all these young guys, you know, the, the more they play, the more they learn. And, and I think you get more and more experience. And I think last year they showed in the beginning of the year that how capable they are of, of playing good hockey. And you just got to, keep it at a, at, a, at a good level throughout, you know, most of the seasons. There are always highs and lows, but, uh, you know, try and, like I said, keep everyone positive and you got to keep everyone moving moving forward, even though, you know, you have rough patches and everything. And, you know, with all these young players being so good, I mean, they learn from, from, from everything. And, and I think that with all the talent they have and, it's 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 gonna it's gonna go well. Hey, Marcus, Joe Yurden from the Athletics again. Uh, what what was uh, what was it that Ralph told you that put you over the top that told you that you had to come? Uh, no, just you know talking to him. He's first of all seems like a really really good person, and then seems like a good coach, a players' coach, and. Uh, you know, very welcoming right right from the start. And I think some of the ideas, ideas he has and the way he wants to play hockey too and for the young guys is, is, is exciting. And, and I, you know, it's something that I'm excited to be a part of too. Marcus, Land Place Hockey from Buffalo News again. I'm sure in some ways your time in New Jersey didn't go the way that you had planned. Uh, what did you learn about yourself you know, as a player, as a person during your time there? 
Uh, I think I learned a lot. Uh, but I mean, it didn't go as planned. I, w- I was, I was hurt a lot and, and kind of unfortunate. And, but once I was, was healthy, I felt that, you know, it went well. And I felt that I kind of found myself as a player with the two and that kind of got some of the results of that in Boston, I guess. But, uh, I wish it would have gone better in the sense that I, I wish I could have been a little healthier when I was there, but that's part of the game too, I guess. Marcus, Mike Paco from Hockey Buzz again. Lines, um, got interested in the Devils and, and the Sabres as well, but I guess how, how I mean, Devils didn't work out great for you in, in terms of the success you guys had as a team or didn't have this season, but is there a bright future ahead for those guys in, in New Jersey with Ray, what Ray's doing and, and, and bringing guys in? Sorry, I I kind of lost you there for for a sec. Can you take that again? Yeah, because it's just uh, looking back at your time in New Jersey. I know obviously you were you were hurt for stretches of that time, but you look at that team and what Ray sure has done there. How optimistic are you about that team? And, and were you ever close, I guess, to to going back there? Uh, I think they're they're making some good moves. Uh, they have some really Good young players, obviously. Uh, Jack Hughes as well, I think, is, is obviously big for them. And I think that they're taking steps in the right direction. So uh, that, that's good for them. Hey, Marcus, Mike Pockle from HockeyBuzz.com again. You played a lot a lot of left wing and uh, had a number of centers. Uh, what are the traits in the center that, that brings out the best of your game? At, at center, sorry? What are the traits of a center that you played with that have brought out the best in your game? Oh, I think I've, I've played with a lot of different types of centers. Uh, I think playing last week with with with, uh, with Coyle in, in Boston was worked really well. I think we just both fit in in, in Boston system, and then I think we kind of clicked right from the start. But you know, he's just a center that you know he works really hard. He was strong on the puck and. He was making plays, and, and, and you know, he's just such a strong skater, too, that he creates room for, for his line next to you. And, uh, you know, the way that he played, I think, obviously helped my game a lot. So uh, I really enjoyed playing with, with Coyle. That was Marcus Johansson, his conference call with the media earlier today. So, I mean, if you managed to miss most of it just now, well, you can go back on the website or on the radio.com app and you can listen to it there. You can also listen to Stefan we- oh, Stephen Wino, excuse me, who uh, talked with Nate and Joe about Marcus Johansson, uh, the Capitals' play-by-play guy. Uh, the name's eluding me. Joe, it's in Sabres audio. Kyle, help me out here. Beninati. Beninati. Yes, Joe Beninati, the Capitals' play-by-play. He talked about Johansson on the morning show today, and then there's of course Johansson as well. Kyle, the All-Star, the All-Star game is tomorrow. The home run derby is tonight. And we're going to we're going to make some picks. You and me. We're going to pick who is going to win this home run derby. Nice job. It's not ESPN, it's Fox, but I you get it. It's still good. They still do a good job. All right. I'm going to go with a bit of an upset here based on the seating. I'm going to take Alex Bregman here from the Houston Astros to take the home run derby, the four seed. I like that. I like that a lot. That's a sneaky pick. Well it's a done. sneaky pick. I, I I think between Bregman and Peterson, like 
I feel like the winner's coming from there. Call really? It, call it a sinking feeling. Wow. Between Alex Bregman or Jock Peterson. So I'm going to go Bregman here. Okay. All right. I like Jock Jams in that matchup. I mean, it's so. a 4-5. It's tricky. He's not my winner, but I like Jock Peterson over Alex Bregman. My winner, I think, I've praised him enough this year. If you listen to the leftovers, he's the one bright spot in this team's tumultuous <laughs> season. It's been like four straight weeks of three ups and three downs. I found a reason to squeeze him in because he is doing things that we haven't seen a rookie do in a very long time in the National League. I've got Pete Alonso. And I respect that. I mean, he's the guy with the most home runs in this current group. Obviously, with Yelich pulling out, he's got the most of everyone that's participating in the home run derby. Should be fun, though. It's always fun to watch players just ripping them dingers. It is going to be upsetting, though, if, if this holds true. And if even if he doesn't win, if he makes it into the second round, you are going to see a hometown favorite go home early. Carlos Santana. Mm-hmm. That's second right. Te- second tenure with the Indians. He's going to have a lot of faithful cheering for him during this All-Star game. Another one of those things, too. We had a guy tweeted us, you know, these switch hitters, interesting. More often yeah. than not, they hit left-handed in the, der- in the derby because the majority of their ABs during the season and in their career are against right-handed pitching. He and Josh Bell... It's going to be interesting to see what side they hit from. I got to look at their splits during the season, but I have to imagine you're going to see two left-handed hitters in Santana and Bell who have a pick of the litter. Yes, by the way, a uh, Western New York native is tossing the pitches to Bell for the home run derby. So. I was trying to get an inside scoop. I tweeted. I said, is yeah, he getting ready no, to lefty? Yeah, he I was going to say, it's a, it was an interesting attempt that you made there, but you know, it's, it's an interesting hometown connection here, a Buffalo connection there, and, of course, former Bisons player and Jay's prospect, now Blue Jay, Vlad Guerrero Jr., is the eight seed. So definitely have some fun with that. Go enjoy yourself the home run derby tonight. We'll take this last break, come back for last call, and uh, I'm going to warn you right now, some of you may not like what I have to say, and it's going to be this. And I'm going to lead in with this. The U.S. women's national team is awesome. Do not tell them how to sell I'll expand more on that. Coming back, last call here on the Nightcap. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, this is WGR. It's unbelievable just to know all of the people uh, in our group that put in so much work, obviously the players. We have all our friends and family here. It's, it's like, it's surreal. I don't know how to feel right now. It's ridiculous. First off, Kyle Powell with the primo bump based on what last call is going to be here about the U.S. women's national team. Megan Rapino talking there after the women take home another World Cup and... I'm really, really sick of the criticism that these girls get. Not girls. These women get. Seriously. First off, it all started with that 13 nothing win over Thailand. Was it 13 or? F- yeah, 13 yeah, nothing. Lucky yes. 13. Yeah. Too much sellying. Yeah, too much. Se- Trust me. Right. I'm, I'm there about it with, um, you know, don't celebrate the goal territory. Once you get to 9 nothing, I think it's a little much, but. There's some of them that have not scored a World Cup goal, and that's a big deal for them. Yes, there's ways around that. You know, just hug the team, enjoy the moment. But you know what? Let them have it. Let them have it because they are that good. And that's the big thing is that they're that good. 
but you hear all this criticism, you know, all the things about the political takes about everything. And the next thing you know, you have Americans that are cheering for not America in what is an American team sporting event. If they don't want to go to the White House, they don't have to. And there were people saying, oh, they should win first before they should be able to make that decision. Well, guess what? Um, (laughs) Now they did it. They did it. They went through. They have the most consecutive wins. They're tied for the most consecutive wins in the Women's World Cup. Tied with Germany, who won back-to-backs in 2003 and 2007. They have the most goals in in a single World Cup tournament. Are you kidding me? Like, come on. These women are that good. And for people to just criticize them for how how arrogant they are. Are they are they arrogant or are they just good? Let them be good. I'm all about that life, about you selly hard for anything that you do in life. If you get a promotion, go do a backflip. If you play sweet bumps like Kyle did, get a high five from the intern Dan. Do it right now. There you go. Selly hard. Let's get it, son. And if you score a goal in the 11-day power play, ride your stick. Do it. Maybe even surf on it. Try to be brash. Thanks for listening to the Nightcap. You get more Kyle on Wednesday, by the way. Home Run Derby coming up next. This is WGR. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.